Hello and welcome to Horror Culture Shovel, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are here today recording for you guys on the hottest day of the year to bring you a bizarre duo of films from uh, from the 2000s uh, in keeping with shitty superhero months. Of, uh, months. Just the one. Just the one. Just the one, thank um, God. Until next year. In keeping with Shitty Superheroes Month, uh, we are back with Marvel after last week. Something not quite as fun as Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. These are, and when you say a bizarre duo, they actually are. I remember, I, I was, as I've discussed previously on the podcast, I wasn't the biggest superhero comic book fan growing up. I was aware of the films. I saw Spider-Man, but I didn't see the other Spider-Man films. Um, I was aware of these two films, Daredevil more than Elektra. And I didn't think they were received poorly. I didn't really do much research into it. They existed and, you know, I was too busy watching other films. And watching them now for the first time at the, the grand age of 33, it was my birthday last week, um, they're shit. They're really shit. They're, they're really bad. They're bad as films and they're bad as superhero films. Yeah. So today we are, of course, talking about Daredevil and Elektra. Um, Daredevil was released in 2003. I was 11 at the time when this was released. I was 15. So this, I was probably the target audience. Yeah. Really. Because yeah. it wasn't 15. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was too young to watch. Not that it really makes that... Well, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say it's completely adult. No. Um, but, I, I mean, I watched it at the time, and I thought it was the coolest film I'd ever seen. I, really? I was obsessed. Um, I was obsessed with its soft metal soundtrack. Um, <laughs> It, it was just everything. I, I just thought it was so cool. Because, I mean, obviously, I loved Spider-Man. I loved the weird 2003 Hulk film. You know, I was a really big superhero film fan. I'd, I'd watch any shit that was put out. Um, but, yeah, but this just really got me. I, I played the game on, I think it was Game Boy Advance I had it on. Um, you know, I, I brought the Daredevil comic books. Uh, he, I mean, he's one of my favourite Marvel characters in general. And, you know, the soundtrack had it on CD. Um, it, it, it was just everything, like, at that time. When you watch it as, a, as an adult, um, <laughs> it's not quite so great. No, and, I, and if I had watched it when I was 15, I would have ate that shit up. Because the soundtrack was, you know, what I was listening to at the time. It was more adult than Spider-Man. I thought Spider-Man was quite childish, you know. In, in, um, you say I, that. It was I mean, far too cool. When we recently re-watched Spider-Man, the whole final battle with Green Goblin, I think, it's quite violent. Yeah, but... I, I mean, which, obviously, which introduced the 12A. Yeah. But then Daredevil, you get a sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> you get, true. you know, a knife through the hand, you know. <laughs> this was when I was getting into horror films. Yeah. So more adult-oriented yeah, films. Same. That would, I would have ate this shit and, up. And I think that's I why, yeah. It. 
But I didn't realise that's what they were going for. Yeah. So I just thought it was going to be another cheesy, childish, you know, superhero film. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why I ate this show myself. Yeah. You know, it's this was the exact time when I was getting into horror and... You know, something more gritty like this is, is the best of both worlds, really. Hello, Montana reference. Um, you know, yeah, and I mean, obviously, 11 year old me couldn't really see that this was actually dog shit. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you know, I was standing Jennifer Garner. Um, I, she deserved better than this. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, but getting into it, we'll get to all that shortly. We will. Uh, directed by Mark Stephen Johnson. Uh, who uh, directed Simon Birch, When in Rome, Killing Season, Finding Steve McQueen, Love Guaranteed, and Ghost Rider. They gave him another Marvel film after oh. this. Which doesn't make any sense. This was critically panned. But, did it make money? It made money. It made money. Uh, and, and you know, by all accounts, Ghost Rider got a sequel. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. When in Rome, that's Mary Kate and Ashley, isn't it? I don't think that so. is that is Mary is it? Kate and Ashley. I will Google IMDb. It. Um, as you as you do, um, I think it's definitely worth mentioning that this was nominated for a shit ton of Razzies, um, <laughs> a Stinker Award. It's mainly all targeted at Ben Affleck. He was a very easy target at this time because he took himself so seriously, um, and he just get kept taking all these really shit roles. He did, and he was, he was, this was when he was with J-Lo, wasn't he? Yeah, this is when him and Jennifer Garner met. This is very much, well, I suppose the media's always been toxic, um, but I just remember it was around this time in the 2000s where it was very toxic mm. and very, very much, you know, harsh. It was... Huh, and, and then we, we've sort of come to a place now, you know, with Britney Spears and such, where we look back and we're like, oh, you know, the, these media outlets were horrible. Mm. Um, but I've always found the Razzies to kind of be part of that sometimes. So Ben Affleck's a big name. Yeah. Ben Affleck is always in the media because he's dating J-Lo. He's a very handsome up-and-coming A-list movie star, and he's an easy target. Yeah. Now, his performance ain't great. No. Let's not, no. let's not, no, you know, not. Let's, he's not at his best. But I do find sometimes the Razzies pick on certain people. Yeah. Now, I'm a Madonna stan, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I think they're pretty harsh to Madonna throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a little bitterness on my part, but sometimes I do find the Razzies jump on a bandwagon. Of course they do, and and we've discussed this so many times on the yeah. podcast before. Um, but I yeah, mean, they nominated Ennio Morricone for worst exactly, soundtrack exactly. for the thing. Like, come on, mate! But for some more bizarre awards, um, this was nominated. It didn't, didn't even win um, for the MTV Movie Awards Mexico Award for. Best Colin Farrell in a movie for, for Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell was very much within that as well. He was like, who's Colin Farrell dating? Who's he, you know, he was a 
big but, big deal at the time. But there's an awards category for him yeah, being a in a film. Yes. Was he in that much at the time? Was phone booth phone booth before this, wasn't it? The phone booth. Well, it was, was two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, but he was a paparazzi name, weren't he? Mm. He was, you know, followed everywhere. But and it, I. <laughs> Well, the big thing was Ballykiss Angel. <laughs> a big deal that this guy who was in Ballykiss Angel, which is like a, a random Sunday evening Irish um, on BBC, wasn't it? TV yeah. show, very mild entertainment. And this guy had gone and made it big in, you know, um, America. And he was dating all these uh, A-list actresses and um, just... To reassure you, when in Rome wasn't the Mary Kate. Oh, actually. that's a shame. It was the Kristen Bell. Yeah, that's not that's film. not as exciting. It's not really. I'm I'm sorry. The budget for Daredevil was eighty million dollars, and the worldwide gross was a hundred and seventy nine point one million. Considering people hated it, they went and watched it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't forget, this wasn't just riding high off of Spider-Man's fame. This was very much run high off of X-Men as well. Because yeah. X-Men was 20th Century Fox. X-Men 2 was released the same year as this. Um, I mean, it, it was a, a money-making year for Marvel. Hulk was the same year as well, you know? They, they, they were getting them all out at that time. But I think very much it was the case of getting the films out there and not worrying about quality so much. Whereas now, obviously, the MCU, everything they release is, is really good. But then, I think, they had their formula. This definitely went against the formula, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, with Elektra, they had their formula, they got it out there, they couldn't give a shit if it was good or not, but it made money. Yeah. With Daredevil, I feel like they went for something different. Yeah. It didn't work. But it feels like they're trying to be Batman. Now, I do get the two characters yeah. are similar in a few ways, but there's like a few shots in this film where it's like, okay, that is taken straight from Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Ben Affleck um, was virtually blind <laughs> as he had to wear heavy-duty contact lenses which blocked out most of his vision. Come on, method. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in their big fight scene, Jennifer Garner accidentally kicked Ben Affleck so hard in the head that he briefly blacked out. Yeah. Go on, girl. I know, and... and... They, they got married in real life, didn't they? Did, they, they yeah. did. Uh, in the comics, the kingpin is white, but in the movie he's played by an African-American, Michael Clark Duncan, rest in peace, who has the same basic build as the character. Uh, the studio was convinced to use Duncan after several white wrestlers gave poor screen tests. Oh. However, when the original character was written for the comics, he was sketched as an African-American, but the idea was scrapped due to censors feeling that an African-American villain would have struck nerves in the media considering the character was introduced in 1967 during the civil rights movement. So two things to discuss here. First of all, what wrestler should have played Kingpin? Um, oh, and why hell. would they have done a really terrible job and why would it have been more entertaining? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, from the time in, in the early 2000s, I suppose they probably would have tried for Big Show, uh, who was, you know, seven foot... And uh, he was, he'd put on quite a bit of weight at that time, I think. Um, he looked, probably looked more like uh, King Kong Bundy, actually, but King Kong Bundy might have been a bit too old then. I don't know, actually. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the second thing to discuss from that is the fact that they went with the African-American decision, despite it being scrapped from the comics. Now, you know me, I, I think, you know, anyone could be cast in a role as long as you're not whitewashing it, because we've been giving fucking roles to white people now for so many fucking years, it's not a shortage. But if you want to swap a, a character, like with, um, let me think, uh, obviously this upcoming Little Mermaid... When they're not using a white girl with red hair. Um, you know, there's, there's always a bit of uproar about it, but I cannot see the problem in it. It's just a fucking character. Yes. You know, yeah. it, it could be played by anyone, and that's fine. Um, obviously, you know, as I said, as long as it's not cultural appropriation, etc., etc. This was a shit decision, because not only is he the main villain and he's African-American... Every single African-American character in this film, no matter how, you know, major or minor their characters are, are villains. Yeah. That's... See, that's the difficulty in it, is that Michael Clark Duncan um, was a great actor. He was riding off the back of Green Mile, Mm. really, you know, brought him a lot of attention. And he did deserve to be in a film, get his paycheck, and play Kingpin. That's yeah. fully deserved. And he does a decent you know, job of it. Out of everybody do. in this film, he probably gives the best performance. Yeah, he hasn't got much to do apart from look big and, and scary, you know. Yeah. And um, his his size does the acting for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but it is weird to watch this film and have every African-American character either be a bully mm. or a crook. Yeah. Or, you know, or the main villain. And it there's no sort of, you know, I I would never begrudge anyone a paycheck. Mm. But it's, oh, it's, just, it's just shit it representation. It was weird. As opposed we're used to now looking for stuff like that. In yeah. 2003, no one would have batted an eyelid, really. Um, and when we get onto Electra, it's very similar, actually. It's even well. worse in it Electra. Is, yeah. Um, like, I mean, here and there in this one, you know, maybe... Cause at, at least you have some, you know, white villains here and there, even if, in minor roles. Uh, like the main rapist guy, with the, the first rapist storyline. Yeah. In Electra, there is not a single white villain. It is all... that n- none, none of them are white. Not a single one. No. Well, well they are... But they're culturally appropriate. Yeah. No, they're not English. <laughs> they're it's, not. It, it's, oh, yeah. Or oh, they're whitewashed. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It, there, are, there are problems it's, with... It's, uh, so it, it, the, the thing is, it's the white American, all-American hero mm. within both of these films yeah. that comes through. And it just... It, it, it's just not good. It's no, not good. No. Um, although Ben Affleck is a fan of the character, acting him out was such an unpleasant experience that in November 2006, Affleck stated that he would never reprise the role, having felt, uh, by playing a superhero in Daredevil, he felt inoculated, uh, himself from, uh, he, he inoculated himself from ever playing another superhero. Uh, wearing a costume was a source of humiliation for me, he said, and something I wouldn't want to do again soon. Uh, 2013, he was cast as Batman. <laughs> yeah. 
Without many talks, don't it? It does. And he's a, he's as good as Batman. He really is. Is he? he, I, he I haven't actually watched any of those. He redeemed himself. That, let's say, let's put it that way. Just going back, just ever so slightly to what we were saying, um, the 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 rapist character in in the film, yeah. Daredevil, um, was he? Who? What was his name? Who was? Do you know his name? And we might come to it when it comes to. Yeah, I've got his character name on here. But I feel like it. potentially he was it Afri- uh, African African no, excuse me, uh, Italian American. I you f- think he may have been. He yeah yeah we'll get to that when when we can look into. Well, that. um, I think his name isn't actually too far down. Um, so his name is. <laughs> Jose Quesada. Jose Quesada, yeah. So there we are. There we go. Yes. I think that reiterates what we were saying. Uh, The film was originally envisioned as an R-rated film with nudity and hard violence. Now, there is a director's cut version of this out there. We are discussing the theatrical cut today. Uh, The director's cut version, from what I can remember, is better. It's still not a good film. But it's better um, and a little more coherent, okay. should we say. Um, <laughs> but again, <laughs> within the director's cut, there's a subplot with a character framed for murder by a corrupt cop and played by rapper Coolio. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he wasn't just framed for murder, he was also framed for rape as well. So again, another African-American character involved with some sort of storyline involving rape and murder. Yeah. Um, it, but it was removed to make the film shorter and get it a PG-13 rating. Uh, but it kept Coolio in the trailers for the film. Uh, and again, it's in the director's cut. Now, that's interesting. In America, this is a PG-13. Okay. In the UK, of course, it's a 15. Yeah. Um, this is a hard PG-13. Like, I know I said it wasn't, you know, completely over the top and, and watchable for kids but I mean for PG-13 yeah it is it is a weird one the, the comparisons between the BBFC here in the UK and the MPAA in America mm. because we kind of we're like use which is for all the family nothing to worry about PG parental guidance some things might be slightly more adult you know 12 no one under the age of 12 should watch it. Well, 12A. 12A mm. is anyone PG, under 12. Yeah, but anyone well, has to be accompanied by an adult. Yeah. Anyone under 12 has to be accompanied by an adult, which is PG-13. Yeah. Anyone under 13 has to be accompanied by an adult. Then we have 15 and 18. But what America has is PG-13. Then they have R-rated, mm. which is anyone under 18 can see it if they're accompanied by an adult. Yeah. Which we don't have here, so PG thirty. So a lot, I think a lot of studios go for the PG thirteen mm. in America, and they can get away with a bit more. I don't because their R rating isn't actually too dissimilar, yeah. really, to a PG thirteen. Yeah. Uh, whereas with us, it's more. They're closer together. Because their jump is like 13 to 18. Yeah. Ours has a 15 in the middle. What's the point I'm making? Something about... <laughs> Just our age rating is a little different. 
Stan Lee disliked the film. So it's the highest day of the year. I'm sorry. Stan Lee disliked the film. Uh, he thought it was too tragic. He wasn't in it. <laughs> yes, he was. Oh, no, he wasn't in the lecture. In the lecture. That's a tragic film. <laughs> uh, ben Affleck was originally in the running to play Bullseye, um, but went with the main role instead. Okay. Uh, it was banned in Malaysia because it contained the word devil in the title. Howboy was released in Malaysia as Super Sapiens to avoid a similar ban. Oh. There we go. <laughs> the Shadow World effects <laughs> what? took the better part of a year to be designed. Do you know what the Shadow World effects no, are? No, I don't know. His blind vision. Oh, is that what they call it? The blue it? CGI. Oh, okay. Hmm. Whilst working on the movie, actor and director John Favreau uh, began discussions with... Uh, well, he's obviously not a director of this film... Dis- began discussions with Marvel over what would eventually become Iron Man, which is the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, once the Daredevil rights reverted back to Marvel in 2012, they announced plans to start the Daredevil Netflix series, uh, partially set within the same universe. Now, it is crazy that Jon Favreau is in this. Yeah. Considering what he's gone on to do. Because he was in this, he was in a few... Uh, R-rated comedies, very much, you know, they were all, all pretty much the same at that time. And then he directed Iron Man and he's created this massive thing that's still going to this day. By all accounts, he is a fan of yeah. Marvel comics. He, he did the same with The Mandalorian. He's clearly a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah, and he... You can see that. And you can see that within his choice to be in Daredevil because he probably just wanted to be in a Marvel film. Yeah. Well, well I'll just, I'll, I'll take any role. I just yeah. want to be in a Marvel film. I just want to, you know, do it some sort of justice. He, he hasn't got the biggest role in this film. He's, he's perfectly reasonable in, mm. in his acting and the role. But you can tell that he's a fan because he went on to make Iron Man. Iron Man, you know, started this whole MCU thing and other people are obviously involved and they've, taken the ball and ran with it. But he did, in many ways, start yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then, of course, the Daredevil TV series. If you're going to watch something Daredevil-related, watch that. That is very much, you know, the gritty tone is there times 100. Uh, it's actually how the character should be. That It's very comic book accurate um, with the character. You know, it's very violent, very gritty. It's It's fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Um, the success of Spider-Man prompted 20th Century Fox to raise the budget from 50 million to 80 million. Uh, it made the bulk of that back within 10 days. Okay. So yeah, again, it it's very much thanks to Spider-Man. That yeah, I think Sp- Sp- Spider-Man did well as well because it was a good film. Um, but also because Spider-Man was one of those characters that never really went away. Yeah. So I was always... A- everyone was always aware of Spider-Man because there was always the animated TV series and and all that. Daredevil, maybe people hadn't really heard of as much. Mm. I mean, I hadn't. I didn't really know who Daredevil was before it was all announced. But everyone knew Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. Matt Damon turned down the lead role. Okay. He didn't have enough faith in the script or director. Oh. Eliza Dushku was considered for the role of... friend. (laughs) Eliza Dushku was considered for the role of Electra. That would have been good. I mean, it's not too dissimilar to her performance as Faith in um, 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Also considered for the role of Electra was Penelope Cruz, um, Sam Hayek, Natalie Portman, Lucy Liu, Jessica Alba, Katie Holmes, uh, Maya Maestro, Rona Mitra, Jolene Blalock, never heard of her, and Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. Imagine Nev Campbell in that role. Yeah. <laughs> It'd have been fucking weird, but I'd have loved it. I mean, all of that. The problem is I could see all of them within the role, because yeah. it's a very bland role. There's <laughs> not really much to it, is there? Again, the Netflix TV show actually has uh, as the character as a Greek character, uh, as you should be, and does her justice within that show. Uh, Patrick Wilson auditioned for a role in this film. Uh, He was also going to be in Ant-Man, but dropped out of that as well because of scheduling issues. Cuba Gooding Jr. Has he been in a Marvel? Oh, no, he was an Aquaman. He was an Aquaman. Cuba Gooding Jr. wanted the lead role but was not approached. Of course. Imagine the fucking Nutwarrant in 2003. Wait, was he just waiting for them to call? Apparently he expressed interest. Oh, I see. Well, he just said, I'd like this role. He was just waiting for them to ring ring up. Um, Is that how it works? Maybe. Maybe. Ben Affleck hated the hair colour required for the role. He said it was so damaging to his self-esteem that he would avoid looking in the mirror. Oh, his hair. Wouldn't worry about the colour, Herm. Yeah, The style is what's wrong with him. It really really (laughs) does. I don't know what they were going for. I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, like they were trying to do spiked but not and then like an updo <laughs> but then kind of a little like Frankenstein's monster it's like they were trying to make him look like his 13 year old self like yeah. as a fucking adult it's so stupid but then also a bit like um Amadeus as well it was so <laughs> weird well getting into the film a man blinded by toxic waste which also enhanced his remaining senses fights crime as an acrobatic martial arts superhero well you gagged you watched the film yeah but I didn't think I didn't think the toxic yeah was being blind gave him superpowers thanks to the toxic waste oh it's basically toxic Avenger yeah essentially (laughs) but I I didn't think I thought the toxic whatever it is, made him blind, but then his natural abilities heightened because of being blind. I didn't think that the toxic helped, if you know what I mean. Well, that's the plot summary. It's never mentioned in the film. No. It's it's very much made to look like just because he's blind, he's got superhero powers. Yeah. (laughs) He can fly because of it. But anyway, we get opening credits with New York buildings and Braille. Uh, and then a CGI rat gets electrocuted by a pavement. Somehow. <laughs> yes. Did you watch the film? Oh, yeah. I said, was the CGI rat necessary? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just walks into the pavement and gets electrocuted by something. Um, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And then just to be different, we don't get any flashbacks. We get flash forwards. Oh. To the third act, as we are shown Daredevil sitting on top of a church. Uh, and these flash-forwards are of the fight with Electra and Bullseye. He lowers himself down into the church, and a priest removes his mask to reveal Matt Murdock. No, he falls into the church. Yeah, but uh, he lowers first. himself down, and then he falls. Yeah. Um, his life, 
Then flashes before his eyes. Uh, how do we know this? Oh, I, because he tells us. Yeah, we're blah, voiceover. Blah, blah, about watching your life flash before your eyes when you die. It's true, even for a blind man. <laughs> this film is so fucking offensive to blind people. When does he even die? <laughs> He doesn't actually he die, doesn't does even he? Die. No, he literally gets up after that scene yeah. and he's like, I'm alright now. He just falls. <laughs> yeah, he was stabbed in the shoulder, weren't he? Yeah, only one character's brought back to life. Spoiler alert. And it's not Daredevil. As a child, young Matt Murdock is bullied because his dad, uh, Jack the Devil Murdock, is a prize fighter. Uh, he helps his alcoholic dad to bed and then shortly after is accidentally blinded by toxic chemicals shortly after witnessing his father extorting money for local mobster Fallon. Yeah, I put a flashback to when he was a kid, bullies picking on him about his dad being a washed up boxer. <laughs> Turns out he is. <laughs> and he's in sleep in front of the TV. He's an alcoholic as well. With empty beer bottles. <laughs> now, what I don't understand is... In films, why do alcoholics never put their empties in the bin <laughs> when they go for a new beer? Um, is it just to help us? So we know. Yeah. So there's four beers on empty beer bottles on the table. Mm. Um, but he's gone. He's probably gone to the fridge each time to grab a new one. Could just put it in the empty one in the bin. Last two was there. <laughs> the and problem- he was asleep in front of the TV as well. <sighs> The biggest problem in this sequence is the fucking shitty actors who play the bullies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yes. But then the bullies, like we were saying earlier, like the main bully is is a white kid, but the other two are African American. Yeah. And, you know. And they're very much there to be like, yeah, you tell him. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, they are. Yeah. Um. So they didn't even have decency to make them the good bullies. Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, so of course he loses his sight thanks to some chemical waste going in his eyes after seeing his dad uh, beating up some guy in an alleyway. Yeah, seemingly his dad is trying to extort money from someone. Uh, we're assuming because of movie stereotypes that he's working for the mob because <laughs> um, he's got a uh, got a hat on and he's, wear- <laughs> he's wearing a sleeveless shirt, isn't he? He is. Yeah, so he must be working for the mob. But thankfully for Matt, uh, despite losing his sight, his remaining senses are dramatically enhanced, giving him superhuman agility and sonar-like hearing. Well, Matt wakes up with bandages over his (laughs) eyes in the hospital. He's very upset and very confused. Um, and he keeps seeing CGI X-ray type <laughs> images, like like the Final Destination. Yeah, but it's, yeah, and they're seemingly they're based on the sounds that he's hearing. My question is: This poor lad has woken, and this is a long scene. This is a fucking long ass scene, <laughs> and no one's come in to like help no. him. No, there's no nurse. There's no doctor. Where the fuck's his dad? Well, when his dad comes to see him, it is like hours later. It's He's hours just sitting later. on the bed, just doing nothing, and yeah. no one's going to check on him. Yeah, and he apologizes. Yeah, his dad apologizes and then gives. They hug it out, and that's it. Yeah, like how is he not like you piece of shit? Thanks to you, I now can't see. Fuck off. But it's like from that day forward. <laughs> We both worked our damn hardest, 
to succeed. And then we get a montage okay, of the Okay, before dirt. we get to that point, can we talk about the fucking CGI shit? It, this is oh. this isn't just one scene. This is throughout the whole film. We keep getting these fucking flashes of apparently what it's like to be blind and what it's like to see the world uh, through your hearing. How? What do you think blind people would have to say about this? Because it's this is bullshit. Clearly, it is. It is. <laughs> it's it's a weird. So obviously, this isn't in the Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. So the whole idea is that he's been given these superpowers, and it's meant to be like Sona, like a bat. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Like a Sona. So, the sounds create a kind of, you know, light. And it bounces and reflects off stuff so that he, you know, knows where things are. Um, I don't know why it's necessary to have it's a visual. It's really unnecessary. It. I, I think it is really unnecessary because it ages the film terribly because the yeah. CGI ain't great. And wait till you hear what the uh, what rain does to people with this uh, yeah. CGI blue vision. It just, it kind of, it, it just comes across really cheesy yeah it's really i don't think it was necessary and it is throughout the whole film and it's a bit of a plot point as well at the it is times uh, the use of it so that we can see it and i don't know but then yeah as you mentioned we do get a montage uh of matt training himself to be the boy without fear uh, and use his new superpower of being blind uh, and this is set to Right Before Your Eyes by Huberstang. Yes, Huberstang. <laughs> one one great thing about this film is that the soundtrack is going to be pure nostalgia. <laughs> I loved Huberstang. I wasn't aware of this song, if I'm being honest. I thought they only had about three songs. <laughs> um, but, yeah, proper proper throwback to when I used to wear uh, uh, incredibly large jeans and a chain <laughs> dangling from the side. That's not true. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> very true. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and I owned a skateboard, but never Obviously. actually skated. Um, throughout the montage, we get the Stan Lee cameo, where he's uh, trying to cross the road. Oh, yeah. Um, and to great hilarity, Matt walks across the road or some shit like that. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of gags in this film based around him uh being better at um walking uh, <laughs> being better yeah walking than sighted people yeah. very much very much so it's a running gag and this one involves stanley and crossing the road oh yeah no stanley's he's too busy reading his paper and he goes to step out in front of the uh, a car mm. because that's what people do in films. Yeah. And uh, Matt stops him to great hilarity. Yeah. Uh, Jack has a boxing match. Uh, we get one of the funniest shots I've ever seen of anyone with a punching bag. Yeah. So... <laughs> he's reading a book. He's reading a book of Braille. He throws it at this punching bag. Um, and apparently this alerts him to the punching bag being there, which, I mean, who put it there in the first place? <laughs> um, so he walks up to it, and I don't know if it's CGI or what, but 
He's barely punching it, and it is going fucking a thousand miles per hour. And he's just standing there so still. It, it looks ridiculous. Yeah, this is where I get a little confused with what Daredevil's powers are. Powers <laughs> are there, those skills. Um, is, so, he even says in the film, after I became blind, my other five senses were heightened to a grand degree. So that would be... Touch, yeah. Hearing, taste, yeah. Smell. Mhm. Is that it? Where am I? Wrong four. <laughs> am I? What are the five senses? I have no idea. Touch. Yeah. Taste. Yeah. Hearing. Mhm. Smell. Yeah. Oh, and then the fifth one, sight, isn't it? Sight. Oh, <laughs> that a... Well, that wasn't yeah, fucking enhanced, said... was it? I swear he says five. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> I haven't written down five. The character, the character of Daredevil, the character of Daredevil is very much someone who, you know, he gets blinded, like, like very much like that, but then he grows up, becomes a lawyer... And then tries fighting crime because of the crooked justice system. That's it. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. He's, like I said, it's very much Batman. But this, in, in, in the point I was making is that he said that his four other senses, and I'm going to correct <laughs> it, I, I may have misheard. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised Unless if Unless this is in, you know, the uh, M. Night Shyamalan uh, <laughs> universe, and there are six senses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he doesn't demonstrate a greater sense of taste or <laughs> like touch i think there's a couple of scenes with smell maybe well, he smells, he he, smells like he's put mustard in his coffee for a joke yeah uh, which a normal person would probably be able to smell and um but he's like this super parkour flying <laughs> guy who can leap really high and, yeah. and fight really well and I'm like what part of that where's that come from yeah but yeah the montage concludes uh, with a showdown between Matt and the bullies uh, the- where the bullies now decide to bully him because he's blind oh my god oh look at his eyes oh, I know, oh. I know, I know they're trying to prove the filmmakers are trying to prove a point but I, I, I don't think they'd be that harsh. No. It feels a bit forced, doesn't it? Yeah. That these bullies are sort of like, oh, let's pick on the blind kid. Yeah. And he ends up beating them up. Well, yeah, he, he? He, he beats them up by tapping two of them with his cane. Yeah. And I mean, literally, just tapping them. Uh-huh. Um, but that somehow knocks them out. And then he does a flip kick on the other one. Yeah. I know, I I understand that they're trying to prove a point, the filmmakers, um, that he can now kick the bullies' asses, but come on. It just felt felt a little too much. Feeling responsible for his son's accident, Jack's inspired to give up his life of crime and recommit to his boxing career, leading to a dramatic comeback. Mm Mm-hmm. Later, after Fallon relieves, uh, relieves, oh, he doesn't relieve Excuse him, that's a me. very different daredevil, um, dick devil, reveals that he enabled Jack's comeback by bribing his previous opponents to let him win. He attempts to bribe Jack to throw his next match and has him murdered when he refuses. 
Uh, Kane Hodder's in the audience watching. Yeah. For some reason. And he's the one who beats him up and kills him. Yeah, so I'm a little confused by that. If the other matches were thrown, does that mean Jack isn't as good as he thought he was? Maybe. Therefore, it was unlikely that he would win anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so why did he have to throw it? Anyway, he's... <laughs> It's so fucking cheesy. It really is. Because he's there in the ring and he's he's down for the count, seemingly. And Matt's there in the audience going, Ah, oh, come on, Dad, you can do it. Yeah. You know, I believe in you. And he's like, Oh, that kid. And he gets... <laughs> and it's, it's so stupid because he, it's, he knows they're going to kill him. Yeah. So what is the point? <laughs> what is the point? Been heroic. Yeah, he is. But what point is he trying to prove? Like his his son is going, they're going to become an orphan, for <laughs> pride. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, no, it's stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Also, how did Kane Hodder get in this film? They needed a tall, <laughs> scary-looking guy. He probably auditioned for Kingpin. It was the same year that he lost out on Freddy vs. Jason, oh, weren't no. it? So, and we all oh, know that God. story. Watch the Kane Hodder documentary. That's good. It's good. Watch the Kane Hodder documentary. Um, it does go on a bit about himself and how great he is, but it's a decent documentary. So, yeah, so... It doesn't mention Daredevil. I'm very surprised he didn't mention this. He was in he very mentioned, briefly. Well, he mentioned the smallest things in that documentary. Yeah. I feel like being in a big budget blockbuster. <laughs> what? It's fucking Ed Gein film with like a 3.1 on IMDb. <laughs> New Blood has a bigger following than Daredevil, probably. <laughs> anyway. We then get a nice voiceover that says, I waited for my father outside the Olympic. In some ways, I'm still waiting. <laughs> no, you're not. Fucking hell. You find his corpse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Kane Hodder leaves a rose on, uh, on Jack's corpse. Um, Matt finds this. Squeezes the rose for dramatic effect and a bit of blood. And, uh, yeah, then we... Are taken years later without any notice. Yeah, getting... no sort of. We don't know how old he is. Yeah, it's just here he is. It's Ben Affleck. <laughs> um, there's no no rhyme or reason as to how he's a lawyer. Um, there's nothing to identify who he's been living with, considering he's an orphan. Yeah. You know how he's gotten on. It's just here's Ben Affleck. Yeah, after after a Catwoman style CGI zoom through New York. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an adult Matt wakes up in his bath coffin bed. This is fucking dumb. Why it's, does he have to sleep in that? Because his sense of uh, uh, hearing is so strong, he'd never get a good night's sleep unless he blocked out every noise. <laughs> because he... I miss... Is it New York? New York. New York. Well, right, it's uh, House Kitchen. New yeah. York. Oh, yeah, House Kitchen, of course. Uh, the city that never sleeps. Mm-hmm. So I do understand this. The is water, it, though, is the water necessary? Yeah, yeah, because that's what creates the um, soundlessness. People do it. People do these. Um, I suppose it was a horror film where somebody was in one of these. Well, of course, I'd expect that. Yeah, <laughs> and they were stuck in there for God knows how long. Uh, but yeah, no, it is an actual thing, and it, you just completely. 
wipe out every noise or it would just keep him up all night. Well, he gets out of his bath coffin bed and uh, turns on Hang On by Siva. (laughs) Which is so not what Ben Affleck would put on. (laughs) Here's your reminder that we're in 2003. It's so weird for him to put on this heavy metal music. Because it's it's Ben Affleck. I've I've Ben Affleck looks like he listens to, um, uh, what what's it called? Uh, like Easy Listening. Easy Listening. <laughs> like Bobby Darren <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or like, um, what's what's Dad's favorite? Oh, Glenn uh, Campbell. Glenn Campbell. <laughs> Glenn Campbell. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he turns on Hang On by Steve. He stars his hair in, in in the way that obviously made Ben Affleck embarrassed to look in the mirror. And uh, goes to work as an attorney in Hell's Kitchen with his friend, Franklin Foggy Nelson, played by John Favreau. Uh, they are dealing with the case of Jose Quesada, who gets away with rape at his court case. Uh, did you? Was I the only person before that this entire court scene had the cinematography of Saw. Oh, it did, yeah. It, it, that sort of green... Yeah. New metal music video. Yeah. <laughs> um, he just, just, he, he's just full of these cheesy lines about justice, isn't he? Just... <laughs> wow. Not as cheesy as this zoom-in we get. A zoom-in to Matt's sunglasses, who said he's... he's first of all, he tells Foggy he's going to be busy tonight. Zooms into his uh, glasses... And they change, they have a line go across them, and we get a montage of him getting suited up as Daredevil. Again, absolutely taken from the 80s and 90s Batman films. Oh, yeah. This is, it's really what I don't think yeah. we got this in Spider-Man. No. No. <laughs> uh, then after he, after he suits up and we get all the nipple close-ups and bulge close-ups that we could get, he flies around the city. <laughs> Well, he does, doesn't he? He jumps out of a fucking building. He flies down it. He has his fucking nunchucks to swing him around a bit. He flies over another building. It is... Honestly, I don't know how I watched this as a kid and thought this is fucking cool. This is ridiculous. I suppose this is where the toxic sewage comes into play. Maybe that had some effect on his physical abilities. Because... uh, as, As... like he said, it was his senses that were affected by it. Well, being good at smelling doesn't mean you can leap over a fucking tall building. Uh, Jose is celebrating the justice system being shit. Oh, God, no. So he's at the bar, isn't he, yeah. Jose? And there's lots of people there, uh, rough types, uh, very um, stereotypical rough types. And Daredevil arrives just in time Jose's just finished a game of pool or mm-hmm. snook or whatever, just in time to hear Jose say, here's to the justice system. <laughs> uh, Kingpin is sorting it all for me. <laughs> and he's just in time to hear that, yeah. just so he knows he's doing the right thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, good, good. I'm doing the right thing now. Yeah. Uh, and to prove that he's a villain even more, he's listening to Nickelback <laughs> in the bar. Yeah. And now we know we've got a bar full of bad guys. Um, so Daredevil tells him he's there for I justice. Love, I love Nickelback's first album. 
It all went downhill from there. I'm sorry, but... do you want people to continue listening to us? Uh, <laughs> well, Nickelback did the song for Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. Did you not enjoy that? No, there was Chad Kroger on his own. Okay. I, How I just, is that I that just, different? I just really hate Name Nickelback. Name me one of a member of Nickelback. I can't. I, I hate the band so much. Um, I mean, obviously, I suppose everyone had that phase of listening to That's How You Remind Me. Yes, yes. But that phase went pretty quickly. Um, yeah, he throws his nunchucks at Jose's face with a blood splatter. He does. Uh, and then beats everyone up to the to the tune of Nickelback. Yeah, he clears the bar. Um, Jose manages to get away. Um, sneaks out. He's chased into a subway. Um, the, the quietest subway I've ever seen. Um, you think a lot of people would be around if it's sort of, uh, bar time. Mm-hmm. You know, if the bars are still open. Um, they have some sort of, I don't know, fight or something. If you could call it whatever. that. Um, ends up with Jose on the tracks to the subway. And uh, Daredevil just leaves him there to be cut in half. Well, it says, you see, train. you see that light at the end of the tunnel? That's not heaven. It's the sea train. Yeah. <laughs> Do we need these one-liners? It's so terrible. It, we really... It, the tone of the rest of the film, these one-liners and the forced comedic moments are so out of place. This is the problem. This is the issue. And it's where so many comic book superhero films go wrong that we've noticed is that there's a weird sort of argument between for want of a better word between the cheesy comic book style and wanting to do something a little cooler and a little more adult um catwoman is the perfect example of Mm -hmm. that batman and robin yeah is like what are you trying to do here? Yeah. Spider Man by all was quite cheesy. Mm. Uh, it was quite a cheesy yeah. film, but it allowed itself to be cheesy and it allowed itself to be a fun film. Yeah. Because of it and it worked. Yeah. You know the MCU. A lot of the those films are quite cheesy and it works. Mm. They've got very cheesy um, jokes. Um, it's very much in keeping with the comic books. It doesn't try too hard to be cool. And it works. And it ends up being cool. Yeah. But they can still take themselves seriously and it works. With the, exactly. They've found a way to blend it properly. Yeah. This is, this is very much a time where they were trying to... Because it's very sincere. It comes from a very sincere yeah. place of people who enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. And it's films like this that I can honestly say I don't think were made by people who enjoy these films or no. enjoy comic books. No. Someone like Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. who did Spider-Man, you know. Did he? Fucking hell. It's just... Blimey. <laughs> what version was that? Speaking of cheesy, immature humour. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. But he directed <laughs> Spider-Man and you could see there was an affinity there for the source material. Yeah. Whereas I don't think the director of this film had a big love for Daredevil. No, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> you know, it's just a, a cash grab. Yeah. Really, let's be honest. We were introduced to Ben Urich, uh, played by previous star of the podcast, Joe Pantoliano. 
star of Bound, the guy who wanted to have his dick out. Yeah, he was. Uh, a New York Post reporter who chronicles Daredevil's exploits. Uh, he attracts attention for a series of articles on the Kingpin, a shadowy underworld figure who allegedly controls all of New York's organised crime. Unbeknownst to Ulrich, the Kingpin is actually Wilson Fisk, a brutal mobster who poses as a legitimate businessman. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of missed all that part. And I thought everyone just knew who the Kingpin was. No, I always thought that. Until I, you know how many times I've watched this film. Like when I was younger, I genuinely didn't know that until this time watching. No, I didn't. I just, I just thought everyone knew who he was. Yeah. And it, his name was Kingpin. Because I like, you know, it's a comic book film. Of course, his name's Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they don't have to really explain or hide. No. Because you know, but yeah, apparently. Matt gets home. Hiding in plain sight. Matt gets sent to a voicemail from a girl called Heather. Oh, poor Heather. Oh my god, I fucking hate you. I'm dumping you because you're so boring. I want to take our relationship to the next level. Her Go issue is that when they she sleep together, <laughs> she's never allowed to stay over his. And whenever they sleep together, she always wakes up in the morning alone. And she's like, where do you go at night? <laughs> Just, she was, she's, uh, oh, you're not in. She sounds like surprised. a stereotypical fucking yeah. blonde airhead. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Fuck off, Matt. Um, so yeah, he just, he isn't really bothered anyway. So he takes a tooth out. Um, One thing, I'm so sorry. I've just looked at my notes here. Going back to this Ben Orish thing. Yeah. Is that he's calling Daredevil a vigilante. Yeah. But if the victim was somebody who was acquitted of rape, mm-hmm. then is that does that make him a vigilante or just a murderer? Seemingly to be a vigilante. To, as the audience, he's a vigilante because yes, we know because that this guy's know. actually a rapist. But yeah, to the other characters, that's a weird thing to call them. As a reporter, to say vigilante would mean that Jose was absolutely rapist and got away with a crime. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, she's bad writing, sorry. Foggy and Matt go for a coffee. Foggy. Oh, yeah. John Favreau. Excuse me. Um, They go for a coffee and we get some throwaway comedic relief. uh, Matt goes to a a priest first. Do, oh, confesses. yeah. Never happens this in that is fucking his... scene. Uh, yeah. What? The best line of dialogue. <laughs> what? The priest says, a lawyer by day, judge and jury by night. <laughs> <laughs> which is a really... Okay, fair in, enough. Which is an interesting aspect of the film. <laughs> you know, Spider-Man didn't really kill anyone, does he? No. He didn't no. really kill anyone. Daredevil kills people. Yeah. Therefore, the idea of him maybe going too far, mm-hmm. you know, is a really interesting one. But any, you know, fans of the podcast will know what I fucking hate about these films is that just mentioning it doesn't mean you're dealing <laughs> with it. You don't get Spider-Man, you don't like, bitten by a spider, goes and saves the day, he's a Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> a lawyer by day. Judge and jury by night. <laughs> that actually sounds like a great tagline for a film. Like a canon film's 
B-movie starring Sybil Danish. She's a lawyer by day. Judge and jury by What night. about Businesswoman by day, Marble-Faced Cow by night? <laughs> Catwoman, of course. Okay. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. <laughs> but yes, we get uh, a, a hilarious scene in which Foggy tries to switch... Um, Syrup or something with yeah, Mr. Matt wanted honey in his uh, drink and they're having some sort of argument about something I don't fucking know. I'm just talking just shit. shit. Uh, Foggy, as some sort of practical joke, hands him the mustard instead of the honey. And he puts the mustard in, but because he's got super strong s- smells, he manages to swap them over. Yeah, and, great hilarity. And Foggy drinks mustardy coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but the scene's interrupted when Electra Nachios, a Greek-American woman skilled in martial arts and the daughter of Kingpin's lieutenant, Nicholas Nachios, walks into the coffee shop in slow motion. She does. And I'm like, who is she? Played by that definitely Greek-American actress, uh, Jennifer Garner. Yes. <laughs> A little, little bit whitewashing for us here. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I suppose this isn't the main weight, the weight washing, whitewashing film. Wait till we get to the next no. one. So she comes in. And the hair's blowing everywhere. Yeah, hair's blowing everywhere. Very much uh, like from a music video, like Aerosmith music video. <laughs> she gets a drink in a takeaway cup and sits down on the sofa and starts reading a magazine. Matt comes over because all of his senses are telling him this is the most beautiful woman <laughs> that's ever existed. Uh, Foggy tries to chat, talk him out of it, yeah. chatting her up, but you know he knows. He can smell it, he can feel it, he can taste it, he can... whatever. And he goes over and she's reading this magazine and he asks her to pass him some something whatever I don't know salt and pepper or whatever and um, she's not taking any notice and it ends up with her saying um, well, what are you and she's about to say blind no she does say uh, no, no, oh, no he, she says, says, he blind. says blind he yeah. says blind and then she looks away from the magazine and realises that he's blind to great hilarity it's hilarious and they then have a kind of a awkward flirt where he's coming on a bit too strong actually he fucking he is annoying yeah he will not leave her alone he's, he's a fucking yeah, stalker asking questions no it's like okay and she's trying to be polite um she then gets up and leaves with her takeaway cup and that's the end of the coffee scene. yeah she won't give him a name that's the big joke now but what I don't yeah yes she won't give him her name what I don't understand is why would she go into a coffee shop, get a coffee to go, <laughs> sit on a sofa, read a magazine for two minutes, creepy guy comes along, and then she leaves. To be fair, I, I mean, the takeaway cup makes absolutely no sense, but she probably left because he's been a fucking weirdo. Yeah, no, absolutely. But... Isn't that a wonderful coincidence that she was drinking from a takeaway cup in when she was drinking in? I mean, I ain't being funny. You know, you usually have to pay extra to drink in at these places. Yeah. 
Um, so I think she's trying to get away with uh, paying less for her coffee. <laughs> but, I mean, it leads to an iconic scene. <laughs> Does it? For the second time during Shitty Superheroes Month, we get an iconic playground scene. <laughs> I suppose it's basketball court before, but it still involves kids. Yeah. Um, Electra, he, he stalks her, he follows her to his playground. And Electra informs him that she doesn't like being followed or touched because he grabs her. So they proceed to have a very camp fight scene uh, whilst some kids watch and chant fight from uh, from the background. Oh my god. So they're like... They're both super, like, ninjas at this point. Yeah, not questioning this no. to each other, you know. Like, where where was her toxic energy coming from? <laughs> What a toxic sewage energy coming from. Uh, but they're like jumping and flipping and they're balancing on seesaws and <laughs> they're kind of hitting each other but not really hitting each other. And it's all very cheesy. They start CGI. by taking their jackets off in yeah. sync. They take them off at the exact same time and shrug their shoulders a little bit. It is ridiculous how cheesy it is. And it's a ridiculous scene altogether because... I got a few questions. Number one, why are the kids out for blood? <laughs> like seriously, They're like fight, 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 get her, get him. Number two, why is no one witnessing a woman beat up a blind man <laughs> and not calling the police? Like seriously, why is no one questioning this? And thirdly, why is no one questioning their abilities to fly? Because they are flying. I don't, you know, bitch, they are levitating at, at best, flying at worst. Because no, and the, the kids are like, how are they doing this? They're all just out for blood. I mean, I suppose it makes a nice change from seeing two drunk fellas fighting over <laughs> the uh, football results. <laughs> but still... Why is no one questioning this happening? Yeah, um, she says to, to, to Matt, she goes, you sure you're blind? And he says, you sure you don't want to tell me your name? Uh, and eventually, she knocks him onto a bench, puts her foot against his throat, and uh, then says, my name's Electra. Yes. And then we go to... <laughs> okay, so on the soundtrack... So everything else has been heavy metal yeah. or new metal or rock orientated. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, Ben Affleck lawyer is yeah. listening to rock and or roll. Mm -hmm. We then get lap dance by N.E.R.D. playing on the soundtrack. And why, why, why have they suddenly gone to a more, you know... R&B rap, you know, style of music. Oh, it's because we're introducing the uh, African-American villain. <laughs> like, it is seriously? terrible. Like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, and, and it doesn't even it stop there because, I mean, that scene just goes, it's a fucking boring conversation that he has with Electra's father, Nicholas. Yeah, whilst he's looking... Staring out, out of a window. Oh, my God, but the window is... I don't know what he's staring at. <laughs> There's now there. Yeah, it's, it's very high up. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, but we have an establishing shot and there's yeah. like nothing going on. Yeah. There's like, it's like mar like a marble floor, isn't it? And uh -huh. just nothing. Not even like a fountain in the middle. Yeah. I d d no idea what he's staring at. 
Um, Matt and Electra have a brief exposition chat where they learn about each other's past. And then we're introduced to Hitman Bullseye, played by Colin Farrell, dressed like the Edge from U2. Uh, and he's playing darts without looking at the dartboard whilst hitting the bullseye every time. Whilst he's doing this... Oh, now we get some, some more... Yeah, we get another uh, rap song. <laughs> we get another we rap do. song to describe the character. Um, and this time it's Top of the Morning to You by House of Pain. Why do we get this? Because Colin Farrell is Irish. <laughs> now, my problem with this is that Bullseye is playing darts in what appears to be an English pub. <laughs> he gets lots of Bullseyes. Like, he even splits a dart with another dart. He's mm-hmm. so good. So good. You know, Bullseye... Bullseye? Bullseye. Bullseye by name, Bullseye by nature. Fantastic. He's had a bet with a fella, and the fella's lost, obviously, and he begrudgingly gives him some English money. It's got the Queen's face on it. The old £20 notes and such. Um, quite bitter, this man is. And what does he call him? An Irish piece of trash. An Irish piece of trash. Now, this is at the end of the scene. Yeah, before this, he gets a call on his Nokia phone. Yeah. And takes his hat off to reveal the bullseye tattoo on his head. Yeah. And then he sort of takes a paper clip, like, stretches it out. And throws it into this guy's neck. And there's a few more and the guy's killed. My issue with this is that this song, House of Pain, Top of the Morning to You, is playing throughout the whole scene. (laughs) Colin Farrell doesn't say a single word. (laughs) And the the only reason we know this character is Irish is because this... Bitter man calls him an Irish Irish bastard. An Irish piece of trash. Irish piece of trash. And so the whole joke of the rap is based on the fact that we know Colin Farrell is Irish. Mm -hmm. And that fucking pisses me off. (laughs) It really, really pisses me off. Because we're meant to be watching a film and we're meant to be suspending our belief and, you know, and getting involved in this world that's being put mm-hmm. towards us but it takes us out of it because the joke is oh you know colin farrell <laughs> you know he's in all the papers the irish he is you know so we're gonna play a rap song with uh top of the morning to you yeah no, sorry that just really pissed me off and why is it only the villains does get it, rap songs does it piss you off as much as the next scene Oh, God, what's the next scene? So, you may recall uh, in Catwoman... Oh, my God. In Catwoman, when that fucking woman who was obsessed with cock told uh, Halle Berry to give her boyfriend some of that brown sugar. And just in case you haven't had enough of really racially insensitive dialogue from superhero movies within the 2000s, we have a racist old lady... On an airplane. Yeah, so Bullseye's on a plane and some bigoted old bitch is sitting next to him chatting away. And have you got the what she yeah, she's, says? Yeah, she says, This Susie, my my son Barry's daughter by his first marriage, 
she eloped with this semi-coloured fella from London. He had a little cream in his coffee, but he did very well for himself on the internet. Okay, first of all, bitch, is the internet. Second of all, we certainly do not use those terms to refer to people of different races. But, so, she's spouting all this. Bullseye's there with earphones in, mm-hmm. listening to music, so he can't hear what she's saying. No. He's pissed off, though, because she's chatting away. Meh, 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 meh. And he gets a peanut. Yeah. He flicks it so it bounces off a chair in front and into her mouth. She chokes on it and dies. This is real. This is real. Who writes this shit? (laughs) What pisses me off is that the whole bigoted nature of her Mm -hmm. is completely pointless. Yeah. Because Because he can't hear what she's saying. Not just that. He's a villain. We wanted that bitch to die. She's a racist old bitch. Yeah. But... The fact that he did it but, anyway, what does it matter that she was racist? It's meant to be for a laugh. It's meant to be funny. and But what what annoyed me is that she was killed because she was annoying, not because she was a bigot. Yeah. Because he couldn't hear what she was saying. And that's just, again, really fucking poor writing. Yeah. So that whole really uncomfortable speech that she gives mm. is pointless. Yeah. She could have just been... She could have just been... You know, spouting any old crap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she just could have been gossiping. Yeah. It was completely unnecessary yeah. to bring in that whole semi-coloured fella yeah. thing. It was really just shit writing, completely pointless. I really don't get why this is okay. And, and, and really uncomfortable. Yeah. For, you know, I know you're going for a more adult-orientated film, but it's really unnecessary. So unnecessary. Yeah. Um, in, in a completely pointless scene, Daredevil chases down and beats up a random guy who's beating another guy up in an alleyway. Uh, a kid watches and cries. <laughs> and Daredevil turns to him and says, Hey kid, I'm not the bad guy. He then goes and stands on the roof, looks over at New York and says, I'm not the bad guy. Y- yeah, we yeah, we know. Yeah. Why do we need that? But he's like, I'm not. <laughs> But why do we need to see? Dramatic effect, Gary. It went absolutely nowhere. Um, he, the next day he gets an invite to the black and white ball at the Grand with a plus one. Oh my god, He's the not black going. and white ball. How exciting. Yeah. Um, after this, Electra follows him down the street. And uh, <laughs> he knows it's her, of course. Yeah. And she says, how did you know I wasn't a mugger? And he says, muggers don't usually wear rose oil high heels. Excuse me? What's that even mean? Rose oil high heels. What the fuck are those? Yeah. Yeah, do you not know? No, absolutely no idea. I think he made that up. Rose oil high heels. (laughs) Are you sure that's what he said? Rose oil high heels. Rose oil. Is that what he said? Okay. Let me do my research. Rose oil... High heels. So rose oil is, um, like something you put on your face. So like rose, so not, rose oil. 
It, to give you a healthy glow. So they're not high heels. It's got nothing to do with shoes. It's like a perfumed <laughs> oil. Who the Rose, fuck wrote Rose this film? perfume oil. This is awful. Who wrote this shit? Someone who didn't know women. Uh, or Rose oil. <laughs> In a bizarre series of events, Matt takes her to the roof. And when it starts to rain... He could see a blue CGI, unflattering version of Jennifer Garner. But, he's looking above her. Yeah. He's looking at the sky. It's not... But he's like, oh my god, you're so beautiful. How the fuck do you know? Yeah, so we're getting... I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like Take On Me video. <laughs> but in like a neon blue with a black background. But the whole idea is that because this sonar sight that he has, as the rain hits something, it creates a light. And obviously with the rain, a heavy rain, there's going to be a lot of this, you know, um, hitting Jennifer Garner, Electra. And so he can see her fully formed, essentially, yeah. which is lovely. And in a better film, it might be a nice moment. Yeah, it looks terrible. It looks shit. It looks so bad. Uh, and they tried to distract the audience from how bad it looks by having a steamy PG-13 sex scene by the fireplace at her house. What I also didn't understand is as if he knew it was going to rain. Yeah. No, he did. Because he could smell oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because he could smell the rain. Of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. No, sometimes I can smell when it's about to rain. Yeah, but you're not a blind superhero. So. No. But I did eat some toxic waste when I was Oh, there we go. Yeah, they, they have this uh, steamy... Oh, they're, they're steamy, very mild, very boring. <laughs> For PG-13. For PG-13? Oh, no. Um, yeah, and then the yeah, next... Wow, boy, really shit. The next day she leaves him alone in bed with the invite next to him for the black and white ball. And he can read this. The only strange thing about that is, it's not Braille. It's not Braille. He does seem to be able to read it yeah. without the, the Braille. Um, then we cut to the black and white ball. Yes, so he takes Foggy as his plus one. Yes. Uh, they meet Kingpin. Well, before this, they chat oh. to Ben, uh, the yep. reporter, Ben Yorich. Oh. And Matt drops his cane. Uh, oh, yeah. Which Ben hands to him and compliments the colour. Oh, yeah, very nice. Well, it'll be important. wonder if anyone's up. got a suit to match. Mm. Mm. Then they chat to Kingpin. They chat to Kingpin, which ends with Kingpin declaring that no one is innocent, blah, 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 blah. Um, Electra turns up with the black and white ball. She's looking Slaying. absolutely gorgeous in silver. Yeah. It's the black and white ball. She doesn't give a shit. Well, she gave out the fucking invites. She needs to stick to her own And rules. she makes a grand appearance. And it's just like Titanic, the legend continues. <laughs> oh, it... <laughs> man. Never let me go. Um, he, Matt... <laughs> Matt walks up the stairs to go and see her. And every character starts fucking blowing smoke in his eyes. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Why the fuck are they doing this? Or like spraying themselves with perfume. Yeah. But literally, some of them just blow smoke right in his face. Completely pointless. But thanks to this, he can see CGI blue Electra. How? Yeah. There's no smoke surrounding her. No. So the smoke stayed around his eyes. Fuck off. She then declares, I wish you could see me. 
Which is like really a bit harsh that yeah. early into a relationship. But he's also told her that he can already see the blue CGI version of her. Yeah, but to say that to someone, I mean, you're dating someone who's blind. You've just had your first shag. <laughs> You know, and then you're saying, I wish you could see me. What's well, going to make him feel bad? <laughs> Isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's very much the Hitchcock formula of people falling in love mm. uh, while, uh, like five minutes after meeting each other. Yeah. Um, Kingpin says goodbye to Nicholas, Electra's father, who has decided to stop doing business with him. Mm. And important coming up for our second film today... Uh, he implies that he killed Electra's mother. Yes. Nicholas attempts to escape with Electra, but Bullseye kills his drivers and causes the limo to, cla- to, clash, to crash. Uh, when Daredevil unsuccessfully attempts to save Nicholas from assassination, Bullseye manages to frame Daredevil for his murder by stealing his CGI baton and impaling Nachios with it. Yes. Uh, this is all right in the middle of the street. Yep. Yeah. This is very close. To where Electra and her yep. father are. Yeah. You know, there is absolutely no excuse for Electra not to see this. Yep. Uh, he then says bullseye and points at his tattoo. That's what we needed. Um, Electra chooses not to see bullseye. Yeah. And she is fuming at Daredevil. So yeah. she starts trying to shoot him. She starts to shoot him. Um... Yeah, there is absolutely no way that she didn't see Bullseye. He was on a fucking motorbike. He was doing all his tricks and everything, throwing all these spinny things. He put on a big show. It is impossible. Her eyesight could not be that bad. Daredevil was standing right next to him. Yeah. So if she saw Daredevil, she would have seen him. It's very clear what was going down. Yeah. It's really just, again, really shoddy filmmaking. Because you have to suspend belief by... Really big margin. Yeah. After this, uh, we get the funeral and the first of two Evanescence songs. Yes. Uh, My Immortal. <laughs> My Immortal, a perfect song for a funeral. Yeah, that's played whilst uh, Electra's walking around in slow motion. Um, <laughs> very much a case of giving me bragging rights for I Knew Evanescence before they were famous as film. Okay. Because obviously, I mean, I was obsessed with the film before. And I mean, there was a few months gap between this and Evanescence releasing that single and getting to number one and everything. Was um, there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, was a big gap. I couldn't believe it. I was well shocked. Um, so I'm still bragging rights to this day. Uh, I don't know where Evanescence are these days, but anyway. I think um, they're still going. Uh, Electra. Now, take a moment. She doesn't know that Matt is Daredevil. She now inexplicably hates Matt. Yeah. And he's like trying to comfort her and she's like, fuck off, I want revenge. Uh, it starts raining and obviously she knows that he can see her when it rains. So she puts up her umbrella so she can't see her. Yeah. So you don't see her. The fuck? It's so, like, why is she off with Matt? Yeah. She gets in the, <laughs> in some iconic line delivery. She gets in her uh, limo and she's like, drive. <laughs> She does actually, don't she? Um, and then King... Is my immortal playing for the whole Yeah, this, yeah, it is. It? The whole scene. Um, Kingpin somehow knows Matt's Daredevil as well and laughs at him and leaves. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah, he does laugh, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, Bullseye has a meeting with Kingpin and he wants to kill Daredevil 
and uh, he <laughs> with some and but Kingpin hires him to kill Electra as well, and uh, <laughs> Kingpin asks, "How do you kill a man without fear?" To which Bullseye replies, "By putting the fear in him." Oh my god! What does that even mean? <laughs> It makes no sense That's at all. Because really he certainly he certainly doesn't put any fear in him at all. No. And also, he says to Kingpin that he wants a costume. Now, in the comic books, Bullseye has a costume. Spoiler alert, when we see Bullseye next, he does not have a costume. No. He's still dressed like the Edge. The Edge, yeah. <laughs> With a giant leather jacket for some reason. Um, ben figures out that Matt is Daredevil after realising that he disguises his baton uh, as a white cane, as revealed by Kevin Smith playing a forensics guy. Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. Believing Daredevil to be responsible for a father's murder, for his father's murder, uh, Electra attempts to avenge her father by killing him. She does this after a montage. Iconic. Set to... Bring Me to Life uh, by Evanescence. You get, you get a two for one with the Evanescence bangers. She stabs bags of flour whilst doing flips and everything. Um, whilst elsewhere, Matt is suiting up, doing his whole Batman suiting up thing. Um, this scene is, is something else. Yeah. It's like they're doing a duet. <laughs> and because if you're not familiar with Bring Me to Life, number one, get it on pause and get it on Spotify <laughs> right away and listen to it. But it's um, a song with a female and male singer singing a duet. And obviously we've got a male and a female superheroes getting ready for battle. <laughs> and when... It starts when uh, Amy Lee, yeah. the lead singer of Evanescence, is singing. We've got Jennifer Garner with her twin side daggers cutting some bags of flour. And then, like, when the male voice comes in on the song, and it made me jump a little bit, we cut to Daredevil, who's just kind of putting on his costume. Like, could we have not just have had a lecture for the whole of this? No, it's just a duet. But it comes across like it's a duet. Now, the lyrics in the song, sang by the male singer, that go, all of this time, I can't believe I couldn't see. <laughs> now, they decided to leave that lyric in there. Whilst showing whilst us Whilst showing Daredevil. Daredevil. <laughs> Um, a spit on the nose, isn't it, mate? Um, oh, it's oh, it's, it's ridiculous. But uh, at a fifteen, the little gay kid that I was, I would have absolutely be living for Jennifer Garner training, cutting bags of flour, whilst Bring Me to Life played in the background. Okay, I I will say this, and I am not ashamed to say this. Still to this day, this scene is everything. I'm sorry. Even the cinematography. It's like they hired a whole different crew for this one scene. Like, you've got lightning outside. It's atmospheric. The music is edited perfectly with the training. Again, the duet thing is fucking stupid, but it adds to camp value. I, I, it's like a scene from a different film. If, We've added it to social media if everyone wants to watch it. So, the Bring Me to Life video is iconic. Yeah. Amy Lee hanging off the edge of a, um, a building, building for some reason, for some reason. <laughs> being, being shouted at 
if someone tries to save her. It's iconic. And the reason why I thought this song was in the Spider-Man film and not the... The Evanescence police are coming after us, fucking hell. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Apologies. It's the hottest day of the year. We've had to open a door. I do apologise. We haven't got, like, air-conditioned studio or anything. Um, So the video is iconic. We saw it a thousand times on Kerrang! when we were growing up. If the official music video had been this scene from the film, do you think you would have preferred it to the actual official video? I think they could have done both. There's so many pointless shots in that music video where she's just, like, singing whilst asleep. They could, in that fucking (laughs) nightdress, don't get me started, but if they swapped... If they just had a few of those scenes swapped over... That would have been great. If they included both, it didn't make any sense to me as to why they didn't include it. Unless, what? but then again, the music video was released after this was panned, so... Yeah. But what if the music video was the same, but Jennifer Garner... <laughs> and Ben Affleck was And Ben Affleck <laughs> were the ones performing it. Yeah, that, that would have been lots better. Would you have enjoyed that? I would have. I would have. Um, but we could talk about the scene forever. Sadly, we do have to... Um, Electra's now in a sexy leather outfit. <laughs> sexy black oh. leather outfit. Oh, God. Um, I mean, in the comic books, it's a red outfit. It is skimpy in the it comic books. It is skimpy. But, you know, it, it works, though. Not it's, it's not insulting like Catwoman. This, I don't know what they were going for. I just, I really, and it's maybe, you know, call me a fucking snowflake or whatever. But I just don't understand why, in so much media, the moment a woman shows a midriff, <laughs> apparently she's like superhuman. Hey, she. Oh, she. Oh, was she showing a midriff in a playground scene? Uh, I think well, she, she may was. have been actually. Oh my god. Yeah, and you know, and she's got <laughs> cleavage as well. I just like I said about the Catwoman costume it's it just feels completely pointless and yeah just really a bit seedy and it's this doesn't feel as sexualized mm, as catwoman no, catwoman no. was zooming in on her tits it was very much this this is for sex appeal yeah this just, doesn't feel like it is i don't know it, it's in a lot of media though so i, I can't necessarily blame daredevil itself i just don't know how you know Ben Affleck is completely, completely covered. We get some shirtless Ben Affleck. Yeah, but I mean in battle. Mm, yeah. He's yeah. completely covered apart from the bottom half of his face, mm-hmm. which is totally Ben Affleck, but we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> but for Electra, it has to be cleavage, a midriff, you know, mm-hmm. on the show. And uh, it just annoys me. Yeah. Um, she has a fight with Daredevil. Uh, she says, remember me? <laughs> and he tells her he didn't kill her father. He's like, liar! <laughs> a line delivered. You, you know you're giving her the same voice as um, Halle Berry in Catwoman. Yeah, but that's what she does. The same that's what she does. The as soon as she turns into superhero Electra, vigilante Electra, her voice changes until she realises that Daredevil is Matt Murdock and then all of her powers are gone yeah. all of a sudden. She stabs him through the shoulder... Um, and, uh, Daredevil, obviously the most shocking scene to me when I was 11 years old, oh my god, um, Daredevil tells her he didn't kill her father, um, barely, he's like, 
His line delivery is fucking terrible at this point. Um, she unmasks him, realises that he's Matt. Um, she puts a normal voice back on. Bullseye arrives, tracks Electra down. And Matt sits there watching whilst Bullseye kills her. Yeah, so and, they, they have a fight there, don't yeah, they? But, she tries her best. But does she? It's it's weird. It's a, like it's when a, she was fighting Daredevil, it was a completely different story. But she didn't she, want to hurt. She Daredevil. had the upper hand. Yeah. But Bullseye, he just fucking takes her down and he stabs her in the hand. Very graphic shot of a pulling, yeah. you know, um, a blade out of her hand. Slits her fo- throat with a card and stabs her in the stomach before throwing a rose onto her and escaping. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. Where it's a really graphic death scene for a, a superhero film. It is, and it, yeah, she does turn a little bit wimpy, doesn't she? Yeah, actually. Yeah, and I just I don't know where her superpowers come from. Why is she so good at all of this? Because she's a trained assassin, Chris. From when she was younger. God, I've not seen a lecture in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I swear that takes a different narrative to uh, yeah. her upbringing. You've you got to one. assume that she's been uh, trained as an assassin point when she was younger. So after this, uh, we're back to the start of the film in the church where Bullseye shows up. Uh, the priest leaves and Matt, after helplessly watching Electra get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> after sitting there that entire time and watching... And then falling from halfway down the roof of a church, gets up like nothing happened. It's like, oh, it's all right, priest. You know, you gotta have faith, ain't you? I'll do this fight. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Where was this energy five minutes? You literally, here? just let her die. Yeah. But after more damage, you're fine. And it's the shoulder stab is never mentioned again. That's no. it. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they have a fight, and they just jump around the church for a bit. It looks stupid. They're both CGI for a lot of it. Um, Bullseye throws glass at him whilst he does some cool backflips. Um, absolutely ripping off the house that's on fire scene from Spider-Man, by the way. Oh, yes. Absolutely ripping it off. Yeah. Bullseye starts ringing the bell in the church and hitting things to make loud noises so that uh, so Matt can't fight before revealing that Fisk is the kingpin and that he had his father killed. When police swarm the church, Matt gains the upper hand and throws Bullseye from the bell tower and onto Ben's car before saying, Bullseye. (laughs) This scene, when he's falling, is absolutely also ripping off Die Hard. The iconic Alan Rickman falling scene. But it looks shit. Is it as good as Sharon Stone falling from a building? Nothing's as good as Sharon Stone falling from a building. (laughs) Determined to avenge Electra, (laughs) Matt ambushes... Again, where was this energy 10 minutes (laughs) ago? He literally just avenged Electra anyway. He killed (laughs) her murderer. Uh, But yeah, he ambushes Kingpin in his office. Takes... And Kingpin takes off his shirt and jacket so that he's just in his vest and says, Daredevil... (laughs) <laughs> to which Daredevil says, Kingpin. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Thanks for establishing that for us. 
In the ensuing fight, he is nearly overcome by Fisk's brute strength, uh, but wins by taking advantage of his sonar hearing, which allows him to see CGI Blue Kingpin after he's drenched by water from things that Matt's been smashing around the room. Um, oh, yeah. Which is conveniently switched off after the fight finishes. It is, yeah. I don't know who switches the water off. But yeah, so he smashed. I think it's a deliberate act. He smashes into the wall and water starts spraying and then he can see uh, Kingpin, um, which is a fairly clever idea. I think a lot of films have done it though, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the course of the confrontation, Fisk removes Daredevil's mask and reveals that he was responsible for Matt's father's death. Um, so he says he was the hitman who killed him under Fallon's orders. That's or not wasn't, true. Wasn't Fallon under Kingpin's orders? So I, Kingpin was like top of the. Pile I would hope so. Wasn't. I'd hope so because it was definitely Kane Hodder that killed his dad. Yeah, and also, didn't Matt's dad get himself killed? Technically, yeah. He kind of knew what he was getting into. But this means that he was responsible. And he'd for... probably killed people himself. Yeah, yeah, of course. But this means he was responsible for the deaths of the two people who Matt loved the most. But Matt decides not to kill Fisk. No. Um, and tells him... Because he wants a sequel. Uh, yeah, and he tells him he's not the bad guy and walks away. After he's just murdered Bullseye. Like, what is stopping you from killing Kingpin? Exactly. As the police arrive to arrest Kingpin, he threatens to reveal Daredevil's identity to the world. But Matt's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, they ain't gonna believe him. A blind man is Daredevil, you fucking idiot. That's true to a certain extent. No one's going to believe that. He goes to a building by where his father was killed, throws a rose off it, and says, this is for you, Dad. <laughs> what? The thing that was left there as a signal of his death? <laughs> How'd you like that, Dad? <laughs> Sometime after Electra's death, Matt visits the spot where the two of them first kissed and unexpectedly finds Electra's necklace which has her name engraved in it in Braille. Oh. Hinting that she might still be alive. And what does he say when he feels it? What does he say? Braille. Oh, does he? <laughs> oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Braille. Uh, elsewhere, Ben prepares to publish an article revealing Daredevil's identity, but chooses not to publish it at the last minute, coming to believe that Daredevil's efforts have made the city better. He writes a full article and deletes it all. Yeah, and we have to see him actually delete yeah. a lot of it as well. So he watches Daredevil on the roof and says, Go get him, Matt. <laughs> to which Daredevil runs and jumps off the roof whilst won't back down the Bring You How remix by Fuel <laughs> plays over the end credits. But it doesn't end there. Being ahead of its time, and you know, shown as an example of what's to come from the MCU, we get a mid credit scene Ooh. where, to great hilarity, Bullseye's in hospital, all bandaged up, and he impales a fly with a syringe and says, Bullseye. Yes. After this, we get <laughs> For You by The Calling playing. Oh. Where all of the lyrics... Calling. All of the lyrics describe exactly what happened in the film. The opening lyrics are, I am vision, I am justice. <laughs> and there are lyrics about saving the day, getting the girl, it's fucking Lawyer ridiculous. by day, just jury by night. And that's Daredevil. That's, that's Daredevil. 
At least it's entertaining. Yeah. It's not for the right reasons. No. It is a it is trash. It was it was weird because I felt like I was having nostalgia for something I'd never <laughs> seen before when I watched it. Um, I believed that fifteen year old me would have loved that film. Um, thirty three year old me doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I I have a lot of nostalgia attached to it. I really do. Um, but. It, it, yeah, it's it's easy to recognise now that it is it is absolutely it's trash. It's not. It's it's just real, um, cash grab. Yeah. Poor filmmaking. Um, it's got no heart to it. I I think the soundtrack is a big part of. I feel like that's what made me mis- why it's still watchable. Yeah. Uh, I think if it didn't have that soundtrack, it, it would have just been absolute dire. Yeah. I would. I would have. I would have had that soundtrack on CD. Yeah. Moving on to a film that isn't entertaining. No. A film that isn't fun. And a film that I watched when I was 13 years old and immediately knew it was fucking awful. Because it is boring. Electra, released in 2005, directed by Rob Bowman, the director of The X-Files. as the well film. as And the TV show. And, oh, wow. Uh, Airborne and Reign of Fire. Do you remember Reign of Fire? I don't know. The oh my, do you not the dragon film? No. That everyone made a massive deal about. Wow. No. I never watched it. Everyone made such a massive deal about it when it was released. I think Christian Bale was in it. Oh okay. Made on a budget of forty three million dollars. It shows the budget cut and only made fifty six point nine million dollars at the box office. Yes. Yeah. Now, that would be classed as a big fat failure, wouldn't it? Because that budget isn't including marketing and such, is it? No. This is the worst... This I think this is the worst female superhero film I've seen. I think this is worse than Catwoman. I think so, too. I think so, too. Because I think Catwoman actually kind of tried, at least. Just got it really wrong. Yeah, this is just lazy. This is just lazy. And it annoys me that it's so lazy because female superhero film... This is coming off the back of Catwoman. You know, we needed a resurgence in female superhero film. I say resurgence, it was never there. We needed a big female superhero film to, you know, to break the curse of terrible female superhero films and, you know, do what the likes of Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel did all these years later in Black Widow. But instead, it is just thrown together. They make up as they go along. It's bullshit. It's I don't. I just have I've no idea what they're going for. What they would. Tr- no idea what they were trying to make. Like, what is this trying to be? Is it a superhero film? Is it you know a um, Japanese samurai film? Yeah. You know what is it for kids? Is it for teens? You know. It really has very, very little to do with Daredevil. Mm. So is is it even trying to go for the audience, small audience that enjoyed Daredevil? No idea. Yeah. No idea. 
Jennifer Garner uh, reportedly told a journalist that she felt this film was terrible yeah. and that she only filmed it because of contractual obligations from Daredevil. That makes sense. It does. It really does make sense. And it makes sense with her performance. Yeah. Because she's not... She can tell... She's bored. She does not want to be there. She has nothing to do with this. She wants to, you know, cash a check and piss off. Yeah. It's the first Marvel movie featuring a female lead. Really, that's Sadly. really upsetting. Whilst filming the uh, Psy sword fight, uh, Jennifer Garner accidentally got a knuckle sliced by Will Yun Lee. She got her knuckles patched up, and when she and Lee resumed, he did it again in the exact same spot. This film is not good enough for her to go through that shit. No, no. Because the fight scenes look awful. Yeah. They are so bad. Ben Affleck filmed the cameo as Daredevil, um, but it was cut from the film. Lucky him. Not to have this on his IMDb page. <laughs> Although the comic strip Electra usually wears a pair of large gold hoop earrings, that big hoop energy, yes, big as hoop part energy. of her costume, Jennifer Garner did not wear them in the film. A pair of earrings were provided as part of Jennifer's costume, but she was unable to wear them as they were for pierced ears, and she did not at the time have her ears pierced. And she's like, if I'm going to be in this shit fucking film, I ain't getting my fucking ears pierced already. Yeah. Been for enough pain already. In an interview with UK's Empire Online, uh, director Rob Bowman stated that the original director's cut was an R-rated film, and he had to turn it down because of contractual obligations. There we go. I don't think it would have made it any better. The, <laughs> the boathouse used in this film would later be used in Fifty Shades of Grey. It must be a cursed boathouse. <laughs> and due to the low-level response from the previous film... <laughs> Someone died in that boathouse and <laughs> is getting their revenge. Due to the low-level response from the previous film, Daredevil, uh, promotion for this film claimed ties to the X-Men films instead. I actually think I remember that. It, yeah, which had a much higher popularity response, of course. Uh, the first promotional mention to Ties of the Daredevil film only took place one week before the Elektra film was to be released. So they tried disguising it. Oh my God. But it's... It's a film that probably shouldn't have been made. It, no, it shouldn't have. Elektra is an interesting character. She deserves her own film but not when she's already had her origin story through Daredevil. Yeah, and then died. And then died. And then died. It's forced. It's so forced. There's plenty they could do with an Electra film, but this is not it. But who... I just don't understand where the idea for this film came from. No. Or was it the fact that Jennifer Garner was contractually obligated to star in two... Films as Electra. I think so. Ben Affleck wasn't because he's a white man in Hollywood yeah. and therefore he said, I'm not doing another Daredevil because it was so badly received. Yeah. Electra then had to be made as its own film. Yeah. And they put absolutely fuck all effort into it because. Everyone involved felt that they had to make the film because of contractual obligations. I think so. Let's face it, there's no, demand. So. there's no demand for this. I feel like they would have brought Electra back for Daredevil 2. That would have been Jennifer Garner's second film mm -hmm. that she signed a contract for. But because Ben Affleck said, no, I'm not coming back and doing a Daredevil film, 
they had to make this and they had to shoehorn in all of this all yeah. of this feels shoehorned in yeah it feels it's a film that never should have been made yeah so the plot is Electra the <laughs> Warrior oh and also another female superhero film made entirely by men oh yeah of course there we go <laughs> yeah <laughs> Electra the, the warrior, uh, survives a near-death experience, becomes an assassin for hire, and tries to protect her two latest targets, a single father and his fucking annoying young daughter, from a group of supernatural assassins. Okay. The opening sequence tells us all about the battles between good and evil over time, as well as some exposition about the Hand, a crime syndicate of ninja mercenaries who can bring people back from the dead, as well as some exposition about Electra being the final weapon in an ancient war. No, she's not. No, she's not. No, she's not. That's not. That never comes back. No. No. And being a motherless daughter. It'll be a motherless daughter, <sighs> and she shall be the final weapon in an ancient war. And she There's be... no ancient war in this film. And they... she shall be of Greek origin, <laughs> and she will die in America. And be brought back, and she will be the final weapon in a Japanese ancient <laughs> war. Because Kill Bill made money. Because Kill Bill made money, and because Hollywood. But yeah, that's what this is. Yes, it's Kill Bill. It, it is. You know, it is a female lead brought back to life, and a group of assassins. Come yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. It, it is. It is. For the whole thing, I was just sat there, and I was like... Some someone has been forced to make an Electra film, to write an Ameri uh, an Electra um, screenplay. They've seen Kill Bill do well, and for do you know what? Let's just make a lighter version. Or although apparently there was an R rating. There was an R rating. Yeah. Let's yeah. just make a superhero comic book version of Kill Bill. Yeah. Because Kill Bill made money. Yeah. Stereotypical bad guy talks to his guard about how Electra's coming to kill him, which the guard finds funny because Electra's an urban legend who died years ago. Get fucked. Why is she an urban legend? It's... What did she do in Daredevil? Exactly. That gave her that reputation. Yeah. She stabbed Daredevil in the shoulder. He recovered from it quite quickly. And then she got her ass handed to her by Bullseye. Yeah. She never became superhero version no. of Electra at all in that no. film. She didn't. I'm sorry. So this is bullshit. You know, however iconic the Bring Me to Life scene <laughs> was, it does not a legendary superhero make. No. Um, she's got supernatural ghost powers now where she can just move from one place to another. Oh, yeah. Teleport around. Mm -hmm. So she makes her way to this bad guy, killing everyone in her tracks. And uh, he says, they say Electra whispers in your ear before she kills you. Next minute, he's listening on this radio and she's whispering in some fucking guy's ear. Okay, number one, who who says who, that? No one says that. The only do you know what? The only people who'd be able to tell you if that's true or not are dead. <laughs> Duh. Well, yeah, yeah, really. I mean, she didn't whisper in Daredevil's ear after she stabbed him in the shoulder. And even if she did, why would he go around telling people that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Electra kills the main guard whilst her hair is blowing around in slow motion, yeah. like when she entered the cafe. 
<laughs> Did you get the trivia on that one? I saw it. Um, the wind machine used in this scene was the same wind machine from uh, Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart <laughs> music video. Did you not get that? No, no. no. Oh. There's floaty curtains. There's a lot of floaty curtains in this film. Oh. It's not a vampire film, but there are they some love floaty fierce curtain. floaty curtains. Um, oh yeah, because Crouch and Tiger Hidden Dragon did well as well. Exactly. Electra tells the main stereotypical bad guy that she died once and then kills him. Yeah, there we are. Boring bad guys meeting. I, I didn't get anything down from that at all. They're just talking shit. Oh, I said Yakuza stereotypes have a discussion. <laughs> Electra's uh, scrubbing the floor. Electra is scrubbing the floor of a murder scene. She is. <laughs> when McCabe brings her some money for the guy she just killed, and McCabe basically being her agent. Um, okay. Do you ever see fucking Spider-Man scrubbing the floor after... Removing his webs after a fucking fight? She's got OCD, hasn't she? Oh, it's, is that what... The, that, oh, that's, no, that's what, that's what it is. That's what it is. She's got OCD. I have nothing to say about that. No. McCabe tells her there's another job available, but she doesn't want it. Um, and, again, a question that isn't asked to male superheroes. He says, oh my God, do you even get laid? Mm. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. So she has flashbacks to being in the ambulance after Daredevil. Uh, and blind martial arts master Stick, played by white man Terence Stamp. Yes, you heard it right. Martial arts master Stick. Yeah, sounding like a terrible stereotype from the Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it is played by Terence Stamp. Terence Stamp. Uh, he brings her back to life randomly. That's how she comes back to life. Yeah. Uh, and he teaches her the ancient heart of Kimagua. I, I probably said that wrong. But I'm still giving you more respect than the filmmakers of this film. Which provides his practitioners with precognition um, as well as the ability to resurrect the dead. How convenient. Yes. Electra Why is... Why her? I know. I know. She is in an ambulance after being murdered by someone. Yeah. There's no sign that she's in a fucking... In New York. It's bullshit. Electra is expelled from the training compound because of her inability to let go of her raging fear of seeing her mother's killer as a child. Okay, what about when she saw her father's killer as an adult? Yeah. She didn't have this rage about her mother in the uh, in Daredevil. Where's this come from? She then has a flashback to her dad forcing her to... Stay afloat in a swimming pool. Work harder, work harder, kick harder, kick harder, kick harder. And she's struggling in the water. Yeah. Um, Her mother is looking from some sort of balcony. And you've been too hard on her and such. And then that's it. Her Greek father from Daredevil is very American. Yeah, his Greek accent's gone in this film. Um, I don't know... Now, she had father issues in the comic books. So the, the, the comic books suggested that Electra's father had molested her. 
Uh, which is very dark for a comic book. Mm. I didn't realise. Well, yeah, Dad, the whole lecture of are very dark. Yeah. Comic books. Um, but in this film, it's literally, and this scene's repeated a few times yeah. throughout the film, him making her swim harder. Yeah, to, be, to have her become an assassin somehow. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I yeah. Mean, that, that's just... Bullshit. Yeah, that's it. That's... Electra decides to take the job that McCabe was offering her. Um, the only catch is she has to spend a few days in a rented home on the island where the assassination has to be performed before the names of the targets are revealed. So she catches someone who's up there within the top 20 most annoying characters in cinematic history. Uh, called A girl called Abby... Who was trying to steal Electra's mother's necklace. Yeah, but before that, so when she moves in to the house, do you notice that she unpacks? Mm-hmm. And she's in the bathroom, and she's unpacking all her toiletries. Yeah. And she's lining them up, because she's got OCD. Remember that? She lines up mm-hmm. her fruit as well, because <laughs> she's got OCD. But she lines them all up. So that all the um, the all the products are facing towards the camera. So it's all these product placements like Colgate. <laughs> Did you not notice I how it was all was lined up? So you can see it from the camera, and she's <laughs> like, so it's like Colgate Oral B. <laughs> and that's how this film was made. Yeah. All these sponsors. <laughs> Uh, this film does for people with OCD what Daredevil did for blind people. Insults them. Yeah. yeah. This is just... This whole OCD thing is so shoehorned in. It's fucking ridiculous. It just makes no sense. No. Like, but nothing comes of it. No. It was not there in Daredevil. No. It's just like, oh, she's got OCD. Okay. What what are you doing with that? (laughs) What are you doing with it? It's not going to... Make me like her even more if you're not going to do something no. with it. Yeah, we're introduced to Abby and she's fucking annoying. She is, she's yeah. supposedly 13, played by a 15 year old actress who looks way older. Yeah. And it makes some of the scenes quite weird. Weird, yeah. <laughs> so, after um, she kicks Abby out and takes the mother's necklace back, she touches the necklace, which brings gives her a flashback. <laughs> In a bizarre series of events, to uh, her childhood house with CGI clouds above it, and the devil running around her house after her mother is killed. Yeah. A horned figure that 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 represents the devil. Yeah. Which I thought was going to come back to Daredevil's father, potentially having been the one that killed her, because his outfit was a devil, wasn't it? Yeah. When he boxed, but no. Yeah, but the thing is, we found out in the first film that Kingpin killed her mother. Or Kingpin had, or had her a, yeah. mother killed. It was sort of Which would have made sense yeah. if it was Daredevil's father. Yeah. That would may have been slightly interesting. Yeah. Spoiler alert, that's not the case. So she wakes up from this flashback in bed. Like, the editor forgot where she was before it. Um, and then she has a sweaty training montage over some terrible generic music. And sadly not bring me to life by Evanescence. 
What a missed opportunity. No, they haven't even got the decency to have a few bangers on the no. soundtrack. Electra meets Abby's father, Mark Miller, uh, who, lucky for her, looks like a discount version of Ben Affleck. <laughs> and Abby invites Electra to Christmas dinner on Mark's behalf. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's over this dinner that Electra, of course, develops a romantic interest in Mark. Um, Abby talks shit because that's all she fucking does in this film. And she just gets more annoying by the minute. Electra gives her a backstory on the shit bracelet that, um, that Abby had brought off eBay. Yeah. Again, goes nowhere. Abby shows off about reading at a college level, being 13 and reading yeah. at a college level. So she's meant to be very clever. Electra says that her job and the reason she's moved in to the, the house is for her job. And she says that her job is downsizing payroll. Yeah. Do you get it? Do you get the joke? Yes, I get the joke. Thank you very much. Very funny. Hilarious. <laughs> but yeah... But why would you need to go to a big house to downsize payroll? <laughs> like, what does that even... Like, are they not even like, what? 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 Well, you... they knew all along, didn't they? That's the twist. Whatever. If she was Stephen King, maybe. Um... Yeah, so Abby's all brainy and, and popular and whatever. Remember that? Well, yeah, well, she's, yeah, she's brainy. She's reading at a college level. She's very proud of it. Um, and despite looking far too old to even be Mark's daughter, he tucks her into bed. <laughs> he does. It's a really weird sight to see. It's, it's, it's very weird to see someone who does look older than... 13 yeah be tucked into bed at night like he then tells Electra that he's only just realising he's got a teenager on his hands which makes it even weirder because she doesn't look like a fucking teenager no Electra seems to think that Abby is too hard on herself even though she hasn't said a single bad thing about herself so far yeah and Mark says most people think Abby is a slacker before providing exposition about how Abby's mother was killed by a drunk driver. And Electra's like, oh, cool, I have a dead mother too. And leaves. Yeah. It, how is she a slacker? They, they they seem to form a bond really quickly. Of course they do. But it's not demonstrated. So the Christmas dinner was awkward. All their interactions have been awkward. Um... Maybe it's because Jennifer Garner looks like she's fed up in every scene. <laughs> but it doesn't even seem like she likes them that much. And yet she's there psychoanalyzing them. Yeah. And then, spoiler alert, they're the ones that she's meant to kill and she can't do it. Well, that is exactly what we find out in the next yeah. scene. She has been hired to kill Mark and Abby. She should have fucking done it. She puts on a red leather jacket prepares her weapons and attempts to kill them both, but decides to spare them and leaves after changing into a black leather jacket. Yes. So she can't go through with it. Yeah. Because she's formed some random relationship with them, which seemingly happened off screen because on screen she does not give off the vibe that she likes them no. at all. Um, she gets ready to leave. She's about to board a boat. Uh, but the sight of an Asian man makes her nervous. <laughs> it's so true. And she returns to save the Millers from a couple of ninja stereotypes who yeah. turn to green smoke bombs when they die. 
Yes, yeah, tries to interrogate one of them, but he snaps his own neck and dissolves into green smoke. Mm-hmm. Roshi. So, whereas in Daredevil, all the enemies seem to be African-Americans, in Elektra, they're all Japanese. Yeah. Or, or, or East Asian. Yeah. And all of them. All of them. No, there's even some African-American villains in this as well. There is, yeah. There like, is, actually. None of them are white or English. No. Basically. Um, Roshi... Even the fucking sensei is a fucking yeah. white English dude. Yeah. Roshi, master of the hand, learns of the failed attempt and permits his son, Kurigi, to lead a new team of assassins to kill Electra and return with Abby, who was referred to as the treasure. What the fuck is, is treasure about her? The fucking most annoying person on the planet. They're all... So, Kirigi's henchmen, or whatnot. Mm. Um, I mean, they don't really get much character development. But they all kind of... A few of them are white, aren't they? And very kind of Asian stereotypes. Which is uncomfortable now to watch. I mean, could... Again, like I said, with Daredevil, it's like, I don't begrudge anyone a payday. You know, if they happen to play a stereotype, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But they're getting white people to play the stereotypes. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, mate. There's no reason why Stick, especially, couldn't have been Japanese. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of Stick, he's back. Uh, Electra tries to leave Abby and Mark with him. And uh, he says, Electra, same walk, same perfume. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's just being like really passive aggressive. Yeah. He scolds her and tells her to protect them herself. She goes to call him a son of a bitch and he sort of like chokes her on a pool table. Yeah. And then she storms off with the Millers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the scene, and it yeah. feels really pointless. Yes. Yeah. Mark reveals that he was part of the hand and tried to escape them, so they killed his wife. It wasn't a drunk driver. Well, what a surprise. <laughs> Electra notices a CGI eagle coming out of the wall and realises that it's villain Tattoo. Uh, she takes Mark and Abby to McCabe's country home, the CGI for this fucking tattoo character is just embarrassing. Yeah, it's not good. Um, yeah, she goes to McCabe's country home with Abby and Mark for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Um, on the car journey to the country home, Electra randomly says, "I'm a soccer mom." I don't get. That. I didn't. I like, didn't get that. There's no context. No. She just I says it out of nowhere, that. and then she starts telling Abby about her job as a contract killer. I don't... I really... It makes no sense at all. Yeah. Mark tells Abby not to tell Electra who she is. Abby, in a bizarre series of events, decides to go full single white female (laughs) and become an absolute fucking weirdo by dressing herself up and styling her hair as Electra because she needs to change her appearance. She dons the fucking awful fringe that Jennifer Garner's got throughout this entire film. Yeah. It is creepy. Why the fuck is she doing that? Yeah. So when Electra sees her, she sees 
her young self. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want you to be like me. <laughs> like, no, no one wants that French hunt. <laughs> and plus, you don't want that bitch to be like you. She's fucking annoying. Electra and Abby share an annoying scene, surprisingly. Um, with forced comedic value. And then Mark and Electra have a kiss. Great. Yeah, so Electra shows Abby Kimiguri. Yeah. Which uh, allows her to see into the future. Um, Stick used it to bring Electra back to life. But that doesn't actually really happen because uh, Abby starts acting the fool and messing about. And, yeah, they have some sort of bonding moment over... I fucking hate it so much. But they, they sit... They sit down peacefully and it's, they're meditating and that's how Electra is showing Abby the Kimiguri. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works for Electra no. because all her future telling happens kind of randomly. Yeah, <laughs> where she holds certain items. She's like, it. always like, that's her raven. Yeah. You know, that's how it, it happens completely random and completely out of context. Yeah. She didn't sit and meditate and find out what's going to happen in the future. No. Electra, Mark and Abby were followed by Karigi, Typhoid, Stone, Kim Koo and Tattoo. Yes, those completely made up names are, are their actual names. Mm. Uh, they end up killing McCabe because he I'm sacrificed himself. they're not himself. from any comic books. I fucking they? hope not. Um, McCabe becomes a classic white saviour and uh, sacrifices himself for the greater good. But why? What well, I don't understand. So they turn up at the house. He sends the, the Millers and Electra into the basement and through a tunnel to mm-hmm. escape. McCabe sacrifices himself for absolutely no reason. Yeah. As... Kirigi reads his mind and gets the information anyway. Yeah, the thing is, he reads his mind and sees um, Electra, Mark and Abby escaping. He didn't see them escaping. No. So I don't know how he's seeing this. Well, it's like That's a Raven. Yeah. Where she has flashes into the picture. Um, but she always sees it from the cameraman's perspective yeah. and never from her own. Uh, Karigi and the assassins hunt down the trio uh, in the woods and Electra kills Stone with a tree. Um, before she does this, uh, Abby and Mark are hiding and because Abby seems to think that trained assassin Electra can't look after herself, she shouts, Electra! Oh, um, which then alerts Stone to where she was hiding. But yeah, she drops a, a tree on Stone. Abby and Mark kill Kinku uh, with one of his own daggers. Um, as Electra is distracted by the revelation... Where are you getting these names from? Uh, Wikipedia. Oh. As Electra is distracted by the revelation that Abby has martial arts skills, uh, we get some terrible and offensive gay representation, where Typhoid gives Electra the lesbian kiss of death, and I am not shitting you. This is the only thing I can remember from when I watched it when I was younger. She literally kills her... By giving her a same-sex kiss. Yeah. 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 She doesn't do this to anyone else. No. 
Yeah, but they they thought they were really doing something. Oh my god, Jennifer Garner kisses a woman. Oh. Yeah, and it got nominated for fucking MTV Movie Awards Best Kiss. It did. Um, but yeah, that is that is not not that is problematic. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's weird. It is a weird one. Yep, yeah. uh, and it makes Electra dream of ninjas uh, in the same room as her mum's corpse before she wakes up. And brought back to life again. <laughs> I hate to uh, go on about Total Eclipse of the Heart, uh, but you remember that scene with the ninjas in I the do. Total Eclipse of the Heart music video? It's a bit like that. Abby is captured by Karigi. Um, Stick and his ninjas arrive, forcing Karigi, Typhoid and Tattoo to retreat. Stick saves Electra from death and takes them under his protection and confirms that Abby is the treasure, a martial arts prodigy uh, whom the hand seeks to use. Why? So she can fucking bore everyone to death. <laughs> Electra learns that she was a treasure herself, of course, resulting in her mother becoming a casualty of the fight between the chastity and the hand. Okay. That is not what's established in death. No, it's not. No. She also guesses that Styx set up the hit on Mark and Abby in order to test Electra's uh, propensity for compassion. That's a bit elaborate. What if she actually killed him? Exactly. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So, because, yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you why. So, if it was Stick that set up the whole assassination plot... Why would the hand aware of the fact that Electra was meant to assassinate the Millers? Exactly. Because if it wasn't them who set it up, but seemingly it was them who sent the two ninjas mm -hmm. after Electra refused to do it. Yeah. So does that mean Stick and the hand were working together? Did Stick make the hand away? It, it's it's, it's never clear. It's never clear whether sense. Stick is actually a villain or a hero. It's, 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 it's so badly written, you, you wouldn't know. Yeah, because it's meant to be some sort of test. Yeah. But everything else previous alluded to the fact that it, the hand was behind it. But why would the hand want the Millers dead? Exactly. Because they want Abby to be their treasure, their protege. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It's headache inducing how shit this writing is. Yeah. Electra actually projects herself to a meeting with Karigi and challenges him to a fight. The winner claiming Abby for their own purpose. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Electra returns to her childhood home in her new comic book accurate costume, uh, the red suit. That's probably the only thing they got right in this film. Um, she does a violet chant, key, doesn't she? She does. She does. Uh, she's got like a black coat on, isn't she? Mm -hmm. And then she does uh, a big reveal. A big reveal. <laughs> um, she goes to face Karigi and realizes that the horned demon who killed her mother was actually Karigi. <gasps> Nothing to do with Kingpin or the mob. Dun, dun, dun. And there are floaty curtains everywhere. There are. Like, they're standing on their own, like, separate characters, floating around. It, it puts vampire films to shame. 
And it's probably, I have to say, the this this scene is probably the closest to a slightly decent scene. Because I like that. I mean, if, you, if you're going to go with the supernatural elements of it all, I liked the floaty fabrics in the air. I enjoyed that. Because that's really, that is in keeping with Asian cinema, isn't it? Yeah, but this is sorted as a But this is exactly, this is not Asian cinema. Electra is, is, you know, um, pretending to be Asian cinema. Electra is defeated by Karegi. Uh, Abby arrives and engages him long enough for Electra to come back to life again. Electra and Abby then escape and hide in a hedge maze, but Abby is captured by snakes dispatched by Tattoo. Electra finds Tattoo and snaps his neck, releasing Abby. The lesbian Russian band. Well, it would have made the film a lot better. <laughs> Electra engages Karigi a second time and kills him. Typhoid poisons and kills Abby before Electra throws her knife at her through <laughs> right in the face and killing her right through these this hedge maze without looking where she's throwing her. I feel like the writers had gotten rid of all the sort of henchmen. Or, or like they'd filmed it all in sequence and be like, are we missing something? Is someone missing? We're missing <laughs> something we are. Is one of them still alive? Oh, just just throw a knife through a hedge. Just, just do that. <laughs> just get rid of her. Yeah. Electra desperately tries to wake Abby, calms herself, and then lets go of all of her rage and successfully resurrects her. Electra gets ready to leave. Also, by the way, yeah, that's the end of the third act. Does she bring her to life? She just brings her to life. That is the end of the most anticlimactic third act in any film I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> that final battle was insulting. It was. I, I honestly could not believe when it was over. It, yeah. Electra gets ready to leave. She and Mark share one final kiss because contractual obligations. Mm. Because you're a female lead in a film, therefore you have to have a love interest. Yeah. Electra tells Abby to live a normal life, and they each give each other's lives back. What's that mean? I don't know. Electra leaves, hoping that Abby won't grow up to be like her, uh, and gets rid of that fringe because it's creepy. Stick appears and points out that Electra didn't turn out so bad. Electra bows to him to thank him. He bows back and she does a slow-mo walk away. And we get Wonder by Megan McCauley playing in during the end credits. And that's Electra. That's Electra. Yeah. Um. Dire. Absolutely the worst film Marvel has ever released. Yeah. Because it's bad. It's. Lazy. Generic. Generic. Um, it's the first um, female-led Marvel film. Yeah. And it's insulting to women because of that, that they put absolutely no effort Nothing. into it. None whatsoever. And it's also actually insulting to Japanese people. Yeah. And to the wonderful Japanese films that came before it. Yeah. Because it's 
Oh my god, so whitewashed. Mm hmm. So really just completely pointless. Yeah. Yeah, completely. It's, it's dire. It really is. It's 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 difficult In every to way find possible. the words to describe just how pointless the whole thing was. Yeah. It's a film that should never have been made. Do you know what? Just just give Jennifer Garner her money for a contract and just don't make the film. Yeah. And you, then you ain't gonna. You've only lost her salary. Yeah. You've only lost the cost of Jennifer Garner. Because the film, you know, seemingly made a, a, a loss mm. because, you know, of marketing and shit like yeah. that. It's really... Ugh. Yeah. Aggravating. Yeah. Thankfully, as we said at the start of the episode, Netflix has gave a much better take on these stories for Daredevil and Elektra and Kingpin. So, yeah, watch that. Don't watch it. I mean, watch watch Daredevil out of curiosity. It needs to be watched at least once. Don't watch Electro. You're wasting your time. It, it really is a waste of time because it's nothing. It's not... It's, I haven't even got a decency to, like I said, have a um, good soundtrack. No. <laughs> no. So, yes, if you are a fan, I use that word loosely, of either of these films, let us know on social media. We're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, GazCruise92 on Twitter, and Gaz2205 on Instagram. I am ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, like, follow, and everything else. We are concluding Shitty Superhero Movies Month next week with Supergirl on Tuesday and our Original versus Remake Freesome episode. With the Fantastic Four. Yes. I'm looking forward to Supergirl. Yes, it should be... I feel, I, I feel like time. maybe we've been picking on the women a bit too much, though, haven't we? Hey, we were not picking on Lisa Rennan last week. No, but I think with Cat, Catwoman, um, Elektra and Supergirl, we might have to do an episode sometime on a, on a good female superhero <laughs> film. Yeah, but it's called Shitty Superheroes Month. I know, but we seem to be picking on the women. <laughs> they made a lot of shit female-friendly superhero films. Yeah, in fairness, and it's all men's fault, so yeah. it's okay. <laughs> so we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.